All right, ladies and gentlemen, sorry about the slight delay here tonight. Um, just me and Anthony tonight, no guests as far as we know. Um, it's possible one of our other guys will join us here for a little bit to talk about something going on in Arizona. Um, we'll get to that later in the show um, because we're going to give him a chance to join us if he wants slash is able. Anyway, so... Anthony, Steve, for those first-time viewers, um, Anthony's the big guy with the full beard, and I'm the not-so-big guy with the goatee beard. All right, that's how you tell us apart. Um, so, good evening. Welcome to, I think this is podcast episode 53. Um, since you last joined us, we actually had some big news that you probably saw go out um, via social media channels and some other things, is our Form 1023 application for 501c3 <laughs> status got approved by the IRS officially on April 11th, which would have been one week after we were last with you. So that was really exciting news. It means... Um, well, we were acting like a nonprofit because of IRS law laws ever since we incorporated in August, but this just means it's official. Um, so actually, while we're here, I'm going to do an on-air shout out to Kitty Moran, who ran one of those Facebook birthday fundraisers for us and raised um, just over $300. So thank you, Kitty Moran. Um Wow. So yeah, so now that we're a 501c3, you can now donate to us on Facebook and run one of those birthday fundraisers for your favorite turtle organization, the Turtle Room. So um, go ahead and do that on your birthday. I know I'm going to do it on my birthday, and I'm probably, I'm sure Anthony might run one on his birthday because I'll think about it. I'll think about why it. Why not? I you really know? like presents. So, <laughs> so um, well, the best present is a turtle, but supporting our turtle organization would be a pretty good present as well, we think. That's awesome. Kitty Moran, so, round so of applause. Again, yeah, so thanks again, Kitty Moran. Uh, a big round of applause um, for you, and we really appreciate your efforts. Um, and to those who donated during Kitty's campaign, thank you for um, joining her effort as well. Um, How cool is that? It's so selfless, so amazing. And and just, yeah, like, I don't know. We, I've seen those a million times, but to have one done for the Turtle Room is like... Brings a tear to my eye. Yeah, well, and the cool part was, I think it, it, it popped up, but she found us before we even um, had made an announcement that we were on there to do it too, which is kind of cool as well. So she was actively looking for us and we just happened to get approved just in time that she was able to find us on the, you know, search function for the birthday fundraiser. So, That's so cool. So that was really cool. Um, and uh, pretty soon we're going to be on, on Amazon smile. For those of you not familiar with Amazon Smile, they allow you to select a nonprofit organization who's registered with them, and um, uh, half of a percent of your eligible purchases through Amazon Smile, and so smile.amazon.com instead of just plain old Amazon.com. Um, anyway, once we're on there, we're going to let you guys know about that as well, so you can um, donate to us when you buy things on Amazon, because... I mean, who doesn't like buying things on Amazon? And what better than to donate to your favorite turtle organization when you're buying things on Amazon? Right. Who doesn't buy? I don't even like buying on Amazon, but I do it because I have to. Well, there's yeah. that too. So yeah. even if you don't like buying on Amazon, you still if you have, have to. to. And you can make you can it more make enjoyable. It yes. Make it more enjoyable. 
because you could be doing a positive thing while you're doing something you have to do. Or in my case, you could have your wife do it when she does all the Amazon shopping behind your back that she only tells you about, of which she only tells you about half or. Well, now you need to convince her to switch to use Amazon smile and, and send it to the turtle room once we get on there too. So again, I'll think about it. No promises. No promises. (laughs) She can be a hard cookie to convince too. She can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's great. Super exciting and a good thing to lead off. And and Steve, as Steve mentioned, it's just us tonight. We are unapologetic about that. Um, <clears throat> as uh, heartthrobs, the heartthrobs that we are, we are happy to bring you the podcast, <laughs> the podcast tonight, our reptile turtle specifically theme podcast. Um, and that is what it is. And you're going to love it because we're great. I'm not really that confident. but At least we, we try to be great anyway. And we were having a conversation that we wanted to lead off with today. And as you guys knew from our um, previous episode where I was down here in my basement, which no longer looks like the basement. That's why I turned myself around and I'm in the white room with no curtains in my basement. Um, that was a play on the Cream song from the 70s. Just so you know. Um, Things are changing here. I needed to get my house ready to sell. This is actually my turtle room, and it's no longer my turtle room. It's it's decorated like a playroom. And um, boy, what an experience that's been. And it's something that we've talked about on the podcast um, in the past with people like Chris Leone and uh, Ben Forrest and Andrew Hermes um, all and, and Steve as well, all making big moves where they have to move their entire animal collections um, as their you know situations change and they're moving to a new house or they're buying their first home and moving out of somewhere they were renting or what have you. Um, and what a difficult transition that is. When I moved into this house, I think I had 18 turtles and then now I have somewhere around 180, so 10 times as many as I had when I moved into this house uh, eight years ago. <coughs> so I'm definitely doing things more differently than I did at that time. And yeah, it's just, it's a lot. Um, It's a lot different. It's a lot in general, a lot of work and um, a lot goes into it. Um, Steve, do you know what it was like? I mean, your collection is much smaller. Do you remember what it was like for you just having to move the animals and and kind of organize all of that? Well, even with, you know, I think I had just over 20 animals at the time of our move. Um, But it was one of those things where, you don't want them to be out of their habit, out of a, a reasonable habitat too long, particularly we were moving in August. So like, you know, it's warm, it's peak of summer. It's not like they're all in shutdown season either. So you want to try to make the move as swift and quick as possible. So um, we closed on our new house on a Monday morning. And that afternoon, I was installing a water line in our basement. And the first things we did basically were set up some stock tanks in the basement that I could quickly fill and drop animals into. Mm -hmm. That's wild. Uh, Like, so that was the first couple days. So, like we had our big move scheduled for the the Saturday after that. So I spent 
those few days were basically working on animal stuff, setting up things here, moving animals over from the other place, just across town, basically, and then tearing things down there so I could move them over here as well, because some of the animals I wanted to get back into their same habitats. Um, <clears throat> so just like the whole pro the whole logistics and process of that and finding people to assist a little bit to help move heavy things and all that other stuff. It was, um, it was time consuming for sure. Right. Right. And, and it's wild to hear even just not to say that it's not a lot because to some people you're a crazy turtle person with 20 turtles, but we've talked about that perception is everything. Right. But right. with, even with 20, it's still, you know, a really difficult undertaking, something that, um, you have to put a lot of thought into it's a big process. Um, and a lot of people who keep turtles are homeowners because, you know, who is going to let you rent and dig a bunch of holes in the yard to put in ponds and put up a bunch of pens and stuff like that. So being able to try to navigate that. So here I had a pond and three terrestrial pens that I built, which is not much. Um, I plan to have much more in the next house, but even still when I'm trying to sell this house, I need to like disguise things. So like not make it look like my house, it has been owned by an animal hoarder for decades. Uh, not make it look like everything in the house is going to have mold on it. Um, not make it look like there are weird wooden, you know, walls holding in, uh, animals in the backyard, which they are. So, being able to try to figure that out and present the house in a way that doesn't look like some kind of weird animal abuser, animal hoarder lived here for years because people just don't necessarily understand it all. Um, so the pens in the backyard that house the Chinese box turtles and I had two different pens for, for two different uh, groups of Chinese box turtles and then also a pen for marginated tortoises. I basically just made those look like, um, look like gardens. So I filled in, I also filled in my pond, um, with just a shovel, which was a lot of work. Um, it made them look like vegetable gardens. So I look like an avid vegetable gardener, but then they come down to look in the basement. I still have some animals here, just a few. So they probably could call my bluff on that and see that I'm not just a vegetable gardener, that I am a weird turtle person because I still have, you know, 15 or 20 turtles here. That um, were just such a drop in the bucket, obviously, but it's still, you know, something um, that they could see. So being able to navigate that, obviously the, the end goal being getting a new house where you have more space, uh, more opportunity to do what you like with the animals. And that's been a big fight for me as my wife wants a nice house for our family. And all I care about is turtles. It's pretty bad. <laughs> but like, you know, you have to do what you have to do, I guess, and try to get through it, you know? Indeed. Indeed. So I'm glad I don't, I'm not going to have to move for a while to be honest. At least that's the plan. So. Yeah. And I hope after this move, we don't have to do any more of that. either. Not that, uh, not that I have a whole ton of land or whatever else, but got a lot more space than I did before. And, um, I have some room to expand a little bit into a different part of the basement eventually too. So. You guys have a an office, right? You're sitting in the office? Yeah, it's one of our bedrooms upstairs, yeah. Oh, okay. Is that where all your books live too, right? Aren't you usually grabbing books from there? Yeah, most of the books uh, most of the books are in here as well, so. 
Do you get more enjoyment from your office and your turtle book area or from where the animals are? Um, that's an interesting question. Um, there's a lot more work where the animals are. <laughs> that's why. That's why I asked the question because we obviously um, love the animals why we do what we do. But it's I a lot have, of work, a lot yeah. of heartbreak. The books, books take care of themselves. Yeah. And, well, the computer's up here, you know, play some games up here, you know, do some other things here. Um, I have a few things to work on still. I mean, we've been here for – August will be two years. That's crazy. As crazy as that is. And you still haven't been here yet either. I know. Well, you don't have to say that on air and embarrass me in front of everyone. Um, but I still have some things <laughs> that I need to situate in the, in the turtle room too, like um, sink. Still yeah. have a sink with running water in there. I just have my fill hose, basically. Um, but uh, we put away some of the money from our tax refund for that. So once school ends, I'll be trying to find somebody to do that project this summer. So that's awesome. Um, may, the main thing, I, main reason I need to hire somebody is because I need to um, pump the drain up into the sewer, the main sewer line for the house, which mm -hmm. with where it is, it's just this tight fit. And I don't want to do it myself and make a mess. Um, if somebody else, if I pay somebody to do it and they make a mess then it's on them to cover that. So Amen. yeah, of course I had to do the same thing here. I put in a slop sink downstairs and had to buy the whole pump for it because the drain, the, the pipe going out of the house is, was too it's high. It's ceiling level instead of underneath the basement. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. My, my parents house that I you know where I grew up um, as far as I know their sewer drain was under, was accessible even from the basement it didn't need a, a pump up at least based on my my recollections of the sink there because mm -hmm. we had sink and laundry machines down there and I don't recall any kind of pump that would pump the stuff up so okay okay yeah it's cool it's such a necessity I can't I would never want to go without it now after having it. I can remember for years, you know, hauling five gallon buckets of water up and down the stairs into my basement to, to try to get to the animals. It's horrible. Um, but I, yeah, I would never want to go back to that now after having, yeah. you know, installed the sink in this house. So um, during a renovation of my, of the place where I work, the, the contractor had this wet table, which is something that so for people on a, who aren't aware, wet table is like the the table on which you perform veterinary procedures. So it's like a long sink with like a metal grate over it. And then um, over the grate can go like a stainless steel um, surface that you can kind of open and, and put over the grate. So you can either work with it as a table or you can open that up, work over the grate. So like if you're doing a, a necropsy, a necropsy or something that's like, kind of yucky, like any blood or other nasty stuff can fall into the wet table and, and then it's a sink underneath and you can wash everything down. So it's like a really nice table and sink in one. So I was able to pilfer one of those because the guy like had it and he's like, you know, we really don't need this and I don't want to have to take this to the next job. Like if you can get rid of it for me, I'd really appreciate it. I'm like, oh, I'll get rid of it. So it's brand new, never been used and they retail for $3,500. And I have one. Yeah. I'm so excited about it. So for the next house, I'm going to set that up instead of a sink. Well, it is a sink, but, um, so basically like, you know, a wet table, like you would have for, for, uh, procedures and, and right. veterinary. Yeah. That's neat. Uh, I'm super excited about that. I uh, got a double laundry basin 
that I have. Oh, cool. And That's really I nice. bought a faucet that um, will have a, you know, an extendable arm and mm -hmm. I can use some pressure with as well. So. Mm -hmm. That's great. I have one. It's just one. It was the cheapest one. It's like a hundred bucks for everything, including the, the faucet and the sink itself. And right. then maybe a little less. And then the pump uh, was extra, but yeah. Um, yeah. Super functional. Like everyone needs to have one. If you're washing your turtle enclosures in your kitchen sink or bathroom sink, that's gross. Get it together. Yeah. Ev eventually I want to get one of those restaurant um, type faucets. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I, I know that's going to be, you know, yeah. Pretty penny. So, um, uh, the, the pump and the install of the drain is already going to, you know, cost a good bit. So that'll be an upgrade for a future, future date. That's but pretty cool. I'm looking forward to getting that in and not having to haul filters up to the garage sink to clean them. So if you were looking for a dream home, just wondering, because I'm trying to buy a house right now. If you were looking, if you were looking for a home and something popped up with your price range and it was like a dream, what would that, what would that dream feature be? Um, I'm pretty like, it would have to have a, a, a nice basement like this one does where I, I've got, you know, space for indoor turtles you know especially here in the northeast um so that was that was actually one of the things we were looking for when we bought this house um it's not perfect but it's really good Look, my turtle room has tile down already that's pretty awesome and it has power so like you can't ask for a better like semi-finished basement for turtle keeping right. than tile and power right like so many basements, people like finish them and ends up with carpet. You don't want carpet underneath, underneath, Amen. you know, all tons of turtle tanks. Like, yeah. and, and just plain concrete floor is actually really hard and a pain to clean and deal with when it, when you do make a mess. Yep. Cause everything Where, else the, the tile is just definitely. like this perfect in between. Um, you know, the, and, and then it's even got a, it's even got a sump pit in the corner. So if I do make a, a Royal mess, and get water all over the floor, I can just push it towards the sump pit and it'll pump it out of the basement and out to the backyard. So that's awesome. That's really um, cool. The, the one thing that we'd probably both really like to have here would just be more space in, in the, in, on the property as a whole. Well, to, that's what I was asking too. So, so I love what you said and I love where the conversation went, but at the same time, your, your answer was really horrible. It was very on the mild side, not on the wild side. Right. Well, yeah. And I think, I think one of the reasons for, for that might be, uh, we knew when we were looking at stuff, there was no way we were going to get something with a, a whole lot of land in our price range. If only because of how much land costs here. Um, particularly in the area we were looking to live, we were going to have to go uh, a good bit, uh, you know, another 15 minutes north and be a lot farther away from all from work and all sorts of other accessibility things. So all of a sudden, like all of a sudden, the, the, the grocery tip trip takes an extra 30 to 45 minutes just because of the drive. All of a sudden, the you know, the trip to work every day is an extra 30 minutes because of, you know, and all that adds up. Right. So. Um, we never really expected to find that like dream land type of thing. There was one house we looked at that would have had three times this land of this one and even a, a slightly bigger house and probably slightly bigger basement. 
but um but the house needed a crap ton of work the people who live in it now have not cared for it at all like and they've got like a far too many cats living it now we love cats we've got three of them but <laughs> they had so many cats and you could smell the ammonia from cat mm, urine and nice. you could tell that they had scratched up most of the trim around the door frames and whatever else and like you knew you were going to have to replace all the carpet and the flooring but what you weren't really sure of was whether you were going to also have to replace the subflooring mm -hmm. you know and like we were we were adding some of this stuff up and we were like crap we're going to need we're going to need to spend like 20 grand on, on this, just on renovating this place. That's nasty. And it would have been like beautiful bones. It would have been a really cool house and property. Um, we really liked the location too, but it was just, just wasn't, wasn't something we could make work, you know? Yeah. And just so everyone's uh, aware too. So Steve has three cats. So that's almost a cat. Steve is almost a cat lady, but he's not, you need four cats to be a cat lady. Let's just make that clear, everyone. <laughs> we we had four for about a month. So only one month has he been a cat lady. Uh, that was right before we had to put Lake Calvin to rest. So why did you have to take a, a funny thing? And I'm um, I'm sorry. Now I feel bad. Oh, uh, it's okay. Um, you know, one of our commenters here said, uh, "I think a quarter acre could work for most turtle and cordis keepers." And yeah, maybe most, I guess. But I could. There's no way I could house most of my collection in my quarter acre property because the house is also on that quarter acre property you have a quarter acre is that what you have steve um the total land is just under a quarter acre but again that includes the house right yeah i don't know if i have quite a quarter now my luckily my house is small my current house right your so foot in the small, yes. yeah I, I i mean i think so yeah i i think a, when i look at a half acre house that's a lot of space it is. Yeah. The, well, the the property that I was um, that I was telling you about with that we really liked, other than the fact that again the house was just going to need a lot of extra work. It had three quarters of an acre. It was on three that's, quarters. So even after the house, you were going to have more, probably more than a half acre, um, half acre left. That's nice. Uh, yeah. I mean, Chris, you know, runs a huge a huge operation. <clears throat> As anyone who follows him, Garden State Tortoise on Instagram or Facebook, he's got so much going on there, so many pens, so many species, and he's only on a couple acres. So, right. yeah, well, I mean, you could know, do a lot. Pull up uh, some of this for for some folks who aren't really familiar. Um, so, it is forty three and a half thousand feet squared. For those who like meters, it's. Uh, 4,050 meters in area, a meter squared, of course. What is your property? No, an acre, one acre. Oh, oh okay. these people were trying to figure out what that, you know, what that is. So, um, <clears throat> so obviously if you go down to a quarter acre, which is actually these days in the way most neighborhoods are being built, right? If you live in a, like in a development, you've got probably at most a quarter to a third of an acre. All right. Mm -hmm. So that means a quarter acre is under 11,000 feet squared. So if you have a house that is, um, let's see, uh, 
a pretty common like a like a two thousand square foot house um, is going to be basically a thousand square feet of a footprint approximately because you're talking two floors most of the time for a two thousand square foot house. So you're already losing about ten percent of your area just for your house plus. Uh, some chunk of that's going to be in the front yard, yes. driveway, and is basically going to be useless, right? Oh, damn front yards, man. They steal right. well, all the acreage. You don't, want, you don't want that stuff right in the front yard where people like everybody can kind of see and like ogle it, right? So like one of the houses we looked at had like was like a third to a half of an acre, but like almost all of it was in the front yard. And I'm like, that won't work. Nope. <laughs> Like I don't want to mow this giant front yard and not be able to do put any animals out there because you, you can't like cover it or protect it, you know. So, um, but so by the time you you take care take a quarter acre and you put a two thousand square foot house on it and then you have a front yard with a driveway, you're you've you've probably only got at most two tenths of the acre to work with in the backyard. Um, but then if you've got a deck, let's take off another tenth, right? Yeah, depending on how, or not. I mean, not another ten percent. So now you're down from from you know a quarter acre down to like point eighteen of an acre. So you're really trimming down that space. Um, you don't want to get stuff too close to the property line in case the neighbor's got a dog that might want to chew up your turtles. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it's kind of funny when you think about it, like. It, when you start deconstructing how that quarter acre is used on your property, um, you probably might have fifteen uh, percent of an acre. You know, uh, you know, instead of a whole acre, instead of a quarter acre, you might have only fifteen percent of an acre to work with, um, which really just isn't a whole lot of a whole lot of land. Um, like some so one of our commenters, that'd be a heck of a deck. Um, like our, our deck <laughs> back here is. That's what she said. Sorry, that was inappropriate. Is the the width of it, it's all uh, it's a good part of the width of our house, not the whole thing, but um, but then it, we, you know it's got stairs that come off the side, so it wastes that space to the side. So between the deck and the area where you come off that, and also where the sump pit pumps out, so you don't necessarily want to put a turtle habitat right where the sump pit from the basement is going to pump out. Um, so you've got ten by it probably uses three hundred square feet alone in our deck. Okay. Right. So that's, you know, another, another chunk of the, of the property. So. But to quote um, our good friend, um, Jeff Lebowski, that's like your opinion, man. It is is my opinion, right. And it depends though, right. Every house is different. So some are two floors, some are one, some are. I'm just, I'm I'm just thinking we've all seen the way things are being built these days, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, so, and, and that's. Ooh, ooh, I don't want any new. Put house. it in the perspective of you know new development. You know that kind of what now is that average you know new development home. Right. right. So, oh, so many of the new developments are like these huge houses on this little piece of land with yeah. like nothing there, and it just makes me sick. Ugh. I know, right? Thankfully, ours Nonsense. isn't quite that bad because this development's. 16 years old instead of two. Um, but like, yeah, some of these, so in fact, this new development just went in a couple years ago and there are these houses that are, we're talking 300, $350,000 houses. So we're talking another chunk ahead of ours. In fact, that some of them are even getting close to 400 and they're barely on something bigger than a quarter acre, maybe 
0.3 acres, right? And a lot of times they're part of these new developments too, where like if you ever let if you ever tried to have a garden outside or yeah or or left a tub like a stock tank outside, you'd be you'd be chastised by your neighbors or you know. Right. It's like a house with a with a moat that is yard, right? Yeah. It's like a you, yard moat. And it has to be super green and you have to pay for the chemicals. Oh, yeah, yeah. you've got an HOA, yeah, it can be kind of ridiculous. I can't imagine living like that. I I would never. It's basically just condo living, except your your houses don't touch. Right, exactly. Um, I mean, at some point, um, I will probably put uh, create some kind of habitat outside, but probably not a, a ton. Um, you know, Lisa loves her flowers as well, so will you? You know, there'll be some flower beds, and um, but eventually we might put something out there. There's a we have a drainage swale, which makes the backyard a little tough as well. Is there ever an issue for you guys? Like she loves, she loves gardening and flowers. Um, is there an issue where like she likes keeping or, or propagating plant species, flower species that could be toxic to turtles that you might want to keep outside or tortoises? Um, actually we haven't, we haven't really ended up with any kind of issue like that. Um, or how about the cats? Doesn't she like lilies? Um, so day lilies aren't toxic to turtles or cats. Um, Easter lilies are, but not all lilies are actually in that same genus. So the day lily that's really popular um, is actually a great flower to keep with turtles. Um, so not there are all, wait, not all lilies are the same genus? No, no. I believe there's a couple different genuses of lilies because um, Easter lilies and Asiatic lilies are totally different from like the day lily type thing. So lilies, just like a common term, like we use, uh, I don't know. Like box turtle, two different genuses of, of right. box turtles from two different parts of the world. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Look at that. Who learned something new today? I did. Hello. Pick me. I learned something new today. <clears throat> um, but anyway, so um, we haven't really gotten into that um, because the flower beds will partly be separate from turtle habitats. Um so this this summer we're going to deal with stuff on the side of our house. I need to redo some drainage. Um, so then next summer is when we'll probably get to the backyard and um, start like thinking about like flower beds and maybe where we could put some kind of some kind of tortoise habitat or turtle habitat or something along those lines. Like you've been there for almost two years and you haven't done anything in the backyard with turtles or tortoises. Uh, I know the most calculated person. I've been focused on all the map turtles downstairs and like the Spinglary and the quads can't stay out year round. So like I've been focusing on things where I can keep the turtles all the time as opposed to spending my money where they're only going to be a few months. You guys can't keep northern maps in PA? Uh, can keep one per person. That stinks. So don't have any northern maps. It'd be fun to throw them in a pond, but again, you know, um, we've bantered about some possible species like um what are you thinking well you could probably keep some flavos outside here amen Absolutely. if it can be done year round in connecticut new york i can probably pull it off here in southeastern pennsylvania um right you know and they they kind of use pond kind of not um have considered doing some kind of tortoise but i haven't really put my finger on what it could be um, cause most of the, there's a lot of them that wouldn't be able to be year round out necessarily. So I've considered, you know, like these Madani Westerns are small enough that they could go in and out. 
possibly. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. We've, we've only had some, we've only had preliminary conversations on what, um, what we would keep outside. Of course, one of the other fun things would just be dig a pond, throw some Western painted turtles in it and call it good. You know, they'd be fun to watch, you know, but you know, not really that conservation species though. So that's part of hesitation there. So. Yeah, that's what's difficult is a lot of the species that you would keep out there. My daughter's here now, of course. That's okay. I'm not eating anything. A lot of the species that you would keep out are not necessarily conservation projects, but education. We right. have a turtle room. Yeah. Well, exactly. Um, so, yeah, lots of factors to go in. Um, one of the other things, too, and let's throw this out there for new folks. When you move to a new house, um, your climate conditions, even if you moved across town, are going to be slightly different based on where the trees are in your yard, where the drainage patterns are in your yard. Um, one of the things Chris dealt with, um, and part of this is, you know, he had to make this giant move and get stuff set up. One of the issues he ran into is water was draining right through some of his tortoise habitats and he was basically, they were basically getting flooded. And right, so it's not if you good for Mediterranean species that he keeps like testudo. Right. So if you, if you take your time, you can get a better idea of where the drainage patterns are going in your yard. So you can make sure you don't, um, build something, build a habitat where you don't want too much water. Um, <clears throat> maybe you need to build something where they have access to shade. And so you want to just see how the shade patterns work with the particular trees in your yard or how the house impacts shade or all those other things. So there are some benefits to being deliberate, particularly on the outside building of habitats to make sure that your habitat can be situated to provide your animals with the, all of the elements that they need to be the most healthy and successful. Right. Right. Absolutely. You would do so well on building a map turtle pond though. Wouldn't that be fun? Are there any other species whose range comes up pretty high North? Uh, the false map. The false does. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, Northern map would be so much cooler than the false map. Yeah, but still, it's it's you, right? So, so for those that don't know, Steve is a map turtle guru. He's probably like the fifteenth most accomplished map turtle specialist in the in the United States. I just made that up. <laughs> There's a lot of big time map turtle people out there, but but Steve is man. He knows a lot about map turtles, and um, it just seems kind of silly, right? Who agrees with me? out there that this guy would own a home and be thinking about putting in a turtle pond and not be sure if he wants to put map turtles out there. It's like well, blasphemous. Half of it's because like, I don't want anything to happen to the ones I've got. <laughs> That's true. I'm just saying like, you know, something like that, that, you know, yeah, it's not a conservation project, but you know, the opportunity to put something like that together is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, Northern maps would be cool. I like I like them. They're really cool. They're really yeah. cool. Yeah, and so like I could get away with two. One's Lisa's, one's mine, you know, that one per person thing would work there. Right. <clears throat> the uh the house that we're looking at right now has and we actually put an offer on, but I'm not sure if we'll get it or not. Fingers crossed, we'll find out by tomorrow. But it has an existing pond with um with uh like 
a real really strong filtration like reminds me of you you and your setups so the water's like crystal clear and everything like that nice so yeah if that if that was something that we would get then I, it would be northern map turtles all day because they can handle the cold and you know they need the running clean water so you could be jealous of that steve yep you know so, you know, and Evan just said false or what cheetah would work outside. Yeah, they probably would. I wonder if the Lake Hamilton Wachitas from Arkansas would man would be able to manage year round here. I bet they can. I mean, we talk all the time about species like the Coheelan box turtles, which are from Mexico, but we hear a report of one that was hibernated year after year outside in Illinois every year. Yeah. You know, Chris, Chris has a, does a great job with hibernating the Gulf Coast box turtles outside. They just live outside year round. Um, you know, species like that that you know really do um, do well in the colder climates. Yeah, um, and then uh, another one of our uh, listeners, Turtle Man Dan, he says his biggest worry of keeping turtles outside is it only takes one neighborhood kid to figure out what you've got. <laughs> that's true. And that's another thing too to think about when you're thinking of moving too, is like pre-existing fence right. or, you know, I fence in my yard here and it's the best thing I ever did. When I did that, I put hardware cloth under the bottom of the fence right. all the way down into the ground. Not only so that no turtles here, I'm, I'm thinking the worst, right? Like right. I hatch, I hatch some kind of real, really cool species in the ground and it gets out of the pens and then gets out of the yard. I'd be devastated. Right. Not that it would ever happen. Right, you know, predators. we don't have pens either, so. Yeah, so that's something to think about because you have to keep the animals in the pond, in the right. pens. Right, um, our next-door neighbor has a fence, though, so, like, on one side. Um, but I don't know I don't know that I want to go crazy with fences. Um, so, uh, you know, that's one of the things I'm, uh, you know, I, I think about is, okay, so if I am going to do this, how am I going to set it up so that it's protected even from the neighborhood kids or the random dog? Yeah. Yet doesn't make mowing the yard even more annoying. Oh, it's it's bad having to do the uh, weed whacking at the bottom of the fence. Well, Especially there, with the hardware cloth. Well, right. There's that. But then so if I put a fence around my property, then there's going to be what? Like a one or two lawnmower wide swath between my fence and my neighbor's fence? And it's just like... Yeah. You know, what's the point of having fence three feet of grass fence? Um, you know, and it's not like we'd put a fence all the way around the property. It would just be around probably the backyard area. So right. I, I don't know. That's not we haven't really even talked or considered fence and um I just I don't know. Uh, I've never been a fence kind of guy, and maybe it's because we haven't had dogs or anything like that, but never been a fence kind of guy. You're so sweet. Honor thy neighbor. We do have a nice tree line across the back, though, that does a great job of, like, no, nobody from the, that's walking on the trails can, like, see into our property because the trees are just, like, huge in there. So. There's trails behind your house? Oh, uh, there's walking. Part of the um, the rail trail kind of thing Ooh. goes behind the house. So Wow. Or at least the trail that's behind the house connects to the rail trail, I should say. Cool. So yeah, we've we we go walking or running on that sometimes. It's it's kind of nice to have that that's access cool. right back there. So that's really cool. Yeah, and since it's public land, we know nobody's gonna like, you know, end up building something there either. And then the trees are there, so we do have that little bit of backyard privacy that direction, if not side to side. 
Who knew? That's cool. How do those trees in the back do for keeping turtles in? Probably not that well. No, they probably wouldn't keep turtles in for sure. But yeah, that was a joke. I knew that they wouldn't. But yeah, something to think about. Everything comes back to turtles. It does. It does. And then you know, in some ways, that's why I've thought about tortoises. And then remember at Chris's old place, he had some of his Western Hermans. He had they had these full lids that he could lock that had the wire. Yes. You know, so I've thought about something along those lines. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, so. With more manageable size pens. Right, exactly. Sense. So, I, you know, I don't know. It's something to think about for sure. That's one of the difficulties of moving as well. Like here, I know I didn't get any predators. I didn't. And when I first put something outside, I had like a pond box, which was a, a video that we had on YouTube. It's still on YouTube. Um, an above ground box, wooden box with a pond liner in it. And then it covered. So no predators can get to anything. And, you know, fast forward now to, as I'm leaving this property, I, I, tons of pens, the entire yard, all wide open. I just know I do not get any predators here. And the entire time I've been here, I never had an issue. I never saw anything, you know, in the very beginning before I fenced in the yard, I might see a skunk or possum maybe but never a raccoon um never a fox and um one time a black bear so anyway uh never an issue but then now the worry is i moved oh yeah i got a bigger piece of land great and then i put my animals out the way i've had them for years and now a raccoon comes and eats everything you know so that's the concern is like you know when you change everything is everything that you think you had figured out is no longer figured out. So you like my basement, I know what the temperatures are going to be based on what the temperatures outside are going to be. I know what the humidity is going to be based on the humidity outside. And, you know, you really learn and get dialed in and the animals get dialed in. You, you learn which species do well here in this, in this house, in this situation, this setup, you learn which ones aren't going to do well and then you move and everything changes yes and you're back to the drawing board and even though you have this knowledge and you've been through it once before that could almost be a detriment because you think something's going to work and it doesn't and you think something else isn't going to work and you don't try it yeah you um, almost have this false sense of security yeah and, like, and, and you have to figure it all out again right and well and a great instance example is when you had those pelusios nanus right yeah yeah, like they're doing great in this. Were they in? Weren't they in a small waterland, water tub? Oh, dude, they <laughs> right. I so I had some of the first ever captive in America produced Pelusius nanus, uh, like 2014, 2013 was it? Um, and it was even quite that long ago. I think it was fifteen. I feel like things went south in fifteen. I feel like I got them before that. Maybe I lied, but either way, uh, it was a few years ago and, um, I got some of those CB hatchlings and I kept them in a sweater box. I see the ones that we keep one baby Spangler eye in. Right. I had, I had four hatchling nanas in there and then, um, they grew pretty large for nanas. Like, like I've heard reports that they produce eggs at two and a half inches. Uh, I don't know about all that. Um, and that was, that was in my experience, but I had them up to two and a half inches. So close to egg laying size. Cause they're such a small species. 
And they were doing tremendously well in this little thing. And I didn't want to change them. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with them. So I'm like, you know what? These things are kicking butt. They have so much personality. They're the coolest little turtles. And I have captive bred ones. Um, so, you know, they're rock solid. I could do, and I was letting them get down into the fifties at night over the winter. Like they were perfect. Like nothing, nothing could harm these turtles. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to set up a huge enclosure for them and I'll get some more and, you know, quarantine them of course, uh, when I do, and then have like a large group, like a Pelusios Nanus army. Right. So I moved them into a medium waterland that I have all set up for them. And this was at a good time of year. It was like 70 in the basement. And I moved them and they all died immediately. The, the group of them. You know, I didn't get any other ones yet. They had never been introduced to anything. They were moved to the new habitat. Everything was set. Temperatures were perfect. And they just died. Yeah. And I still don't know what it was, if they were harboring something that they'd been exposed to that then became, you know, an issue and went south because of the move or if it was just the move or the stress of the move. I don't know. But, um, yeah, sometimes you do something that just makes all the sense in the world with a species that should never be an issue and it doesn't work out. So um, it's all trial and error. And no matter how well you try to make educated guesses and do the right thing, sometimes it doesn't work out. Indeed. I think it was, was it Tim Medema was telling me one time he had a couple Razorbacks that were in this smaller stock tank and he, it was growing all sorts of, he was growing all sorts of aquatic vegetation in there as well to like move into other tanks or whatever. And at some point he said, you know what, I'm going to pull the Razorbacks out of here and give them their own little, their own habitat. Right. And then they all, they, they started like just being lethargic and lazy and not eating or whatever. And then he drops them back in the smaller thing with all the plants. And all of a sudden they're like, okay, we're good. Like sometimes the turtles just don't make any sense. Sometimes. Yeah. Weird. So we had another uh, topic that we wanted to talk about. I think Steve, you should, you should present it to everyone. Yeah. So um, for those of you that follow law changes or rule changes, which is different than a law change, which this one actually qualifies as a rule change if it would happen, um, so Arizona, um, and so every five years, Arizona's Game and Fish Commission apparently releases a five-year review report. And so in this document, a couple times under the heading agency response, as in to previous written comments, they include sentences similar to this one. The department proposes to amend the rule to include all federally listed threatened and endangered species or any other species protected by federal law within the definition of restricted live wildlife. And so um, this sentence has Arizona keepers concerned. And um, so here's the, the basic reasons why. Um, so in Arizona, the restricted live wildlife definition basically requires somebody to get what Arizona deems a zoo license. Um, now, the zoo license in Arizona does not mean you have to get accredited by one of the major zoological places, but they do have certain requirements that... Um, 
that still need to be met for the zoo license, many of which a private keeper would not be able to successfully um, successfully meet. So if all federally listed threatened endangered species or other species protected by federal law are included, this would mean anything included in the Endangered Species Act would now also be included under Arizona's restricted live wildlife definition, meaning that people in Arizona would no longer be able to keep or breed species such as, let's pick one that's on the ESA, everybody's favorite ESA listed species, the radiated tortoise. Okay. Think about that. Wouldn't be mm -hmm. able to continue breeding them without a zoo permit, a zoo license. That this sounds pretty dumb. Even, even dumber than law, and I'm not sure this Arizona law mm -hmm. would do anything to change that or make it better or worse. Well, certainly not better. Right. Um, now, there is apparently some talk that things would get grandfathered in as far as keeping them, but they still wouldn't be able to breed them, apparently. So... Anyway, so there's a lot of concerns that go in this. And obviously, there's a lot of other species that are federally protected for various different reasons, even those not native to the United States. And so basically, this loops us right back into this one giant argument that why are non-native species it covered on laws designed to protect U.S. native species? It's a great question. <clears throat> but anyway, so keep your eyes peeled for this kind of stuff. Um what can, what can people do? What can people do? If I'm sitting here listening to this and I live in Arizona or live outside of Arizona, what can we do? Right. So um, you can send uh, letters um, opposing uh, this proposed rule change to either rulemaking at azgfd.gov. And then also it says to CC somebody else at ccook at azgfd.gov. Um, so, like the letter C? Right, C as in the letter C. Right, first initial. That was a person's email address. <laughs> we're going to... C as in the letter C. We're going to post... Um, some of this information is going to be posted in our World Turtle News tomorrow. Um, it's been out on social media from several folks as well already. Um, <clears throat> obviously, in a letter, you want to be polite. Otherwise, they're just going to trash your letter, right? Um, and talk about how it input impact you if you live in Arizona, even if you didn't, how it might impact, you know, the other states, et cetera. Um, so some concerns, obviously. Um, it's kind of redundant. The ESA already controls the activity related to the federally threatened and endangered species. And the Lacey Act already deals with the trade in wildlife, fish, and plants that have already been illegally taken, possessed, transported, and sold. So that's like the biggest thing. This is just kind of, putting extra butter on butter. Like mm, there's no bread, that's, there's that butter sounds delicious. Butter, right? Like that sounds no delicious. Um, you know, Don't unless you're me with a good time. In which case you probably cook butter with another stick of butter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, obviously sounds like deep fried butter. That's right. Anyway. Um, so there are some other things here. We suggest that you, uh, hit up our world turtle news, blog tomorrow and um, talk to your representatives, um, email the rulemaking department of the Arizona Fish and Game Department. Um, actually, it's Arizona Game and Fish. I got that backwards. Um, 
and just kind of keep your eyes out for this. There's a concern then, as always, um, that when rules like this are made, that other states will go, oh, they did this, let's do that. So just because you don't live in Arizona doesn't mean this doesn't or won't impact you. Yeah, and these laws keep coming every single year, you know, and, and they'll come back. They'll change a bit of the verbiage and then come back with it again the next year and keep bringing these things up again and again right. until eventually people become desensitized and, and they get uh, enacted into law. Right. Well, um, there are a lot of very foolish laws that we're all living by. Yeah. And, you know, the the other thing really is that you have to think about is that <clears throat> sometimes changing the verbiage is, is, is a good thing. Like some of these laws are decent laws to have on the books, but they're not they're not paying attention to the details enough to really um, to really make them good laws in a, a, a complete picture. <clears throat> right. Like. Some of these ones about traveling animal acts designed to help protect like elephants, like they need to make sure there's language in there that removes things like educational reptile presentations, because that's a whole different thing than a traveling animal act, if we think about it. But so the, the, the way they define right. things for laws really kind of impact some of that stuff. Right. You can't um, take a bearded dragon to a birthday party because people want to protect elephants. Right, exactly. Seems so, kind of silly. Um, not all laws are bad. They certainly aren't all good. Um, sometimes just a, a, a word difference extra or missing in a definition can be all the difference you need for bad to good, to be perfectly honest. Right. Um, so here, I'm still confused. You compared this to extra butter, and I just want to make sure this is a negative, right? Because it sounds pretty positive. This this isn't this isn't negative, right? Um, okay. It, you know, okay. it's like <clears throat> you take. I just want to make sure. There's already a law in place to basically protect this, and you're just throwing another one on top. Um, but a negative on top. Right. Not butter. Right. Exactly. It's, it's a like bacon wrapped problem. It's unnecessary. It's bacon. It's bacon wrapped bacon, and nobody likes that. Everybody likes bacon wrapped bacon. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't help. I think I'm hungry. Can Can you have too much bacon? Me personally, no. Exactly. No. You maybe me no. I no, no 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 no. And I've proven that not too much bacon. I have proven through my physique, I prove every day just by being me <laughs> that you cannot have too much bacon. That's what I'm going for. Indeed. Obviously. All right. Yeah. Um, we'll try to keep our eyes posted on Arizona stuff um, and let you know through various channels. Um, obviously, one of our um, one of our team members, Andrew Hermes of Arizona Tortoise Compound, is in Arizona. We'll be paying close attention to these potential changes. Um, uh, <clears throat> so, really hard finding documentation online about this right now, which is why we're not going into too much detail right now. We did a lot of kind of stuff before the show to try to figure this out. Um, so, um, 
part of the idea is this is just a recommendation to a regulatory review council, but even that, like, we just want to get it out of there so it just couldn't even get approved is part of the idea here. Um, so it's hard to, to add more details other than what we've been able to um, – other than what we've been able to give you tonight. If we can find some more of those details and get some more information, we'll try to pass it along through one way or another. All right. Um, Anthony, any uh, anything else you want to do before we're done here tonight? I think it was fun to talk about the moving because it's obviously something that's on my mind right now and something that a lot of us will experience during our time dedicating our lives to turtles. So it's really cool to have the opportunity. Thank you guys for watching as always and giving us this platform and, and sharing your ideas, comments with us and, and watching the podcast and uh, look forward to seeing you guys next time. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Anthony. It was uh, great to hang out with you tonight. And uh, so everybody, uh, thanks for joining us again and we'll see you in June. Our estimated date is going to be monday june 3rd so we'll uh, see you then hopefully we've we get something fun lined up um and then we'll probably do july but probably skip august like we tend to in the past as well so anyway see you in another month have a great night laters laters baby <laughs>